Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Liz Loza, joined all season long on Fridays by my good friend Dalton Deldon. Today we'll be doing a fantasy preview of each Sunday game for week four of the NFL season. But first, you know we got to get through a little of this pre-show business. You... Dear listeners, are here for fantasy advice, and we are here to provide it to you. And while we'll do plenty of that in today's episode, what can really help your team is Yahoo Fantasy Plus. Between the Trade Hub, the Research Assistant, and, oh my goodness, Andy Barron's weekly newsletter. Let me tell you, he puts so much time and effort into that thing. I am lucky that I get to receive it. You all with all of these things, we'll be super equipped with the best league-specific fantasy advice that money can buy. And speaking of money, you can try out Fantasy Plus for free at yahoofantasyfootball.com slash plus. Dalton, are you feeling a little plus today? Feeling a little extra heading into the uh, week four portion, the first month almost we're through of this 2021 season? Man, busy times, huh, Liz? Uh, yeah, season's going by fast, but yet there's still so much more to it. But uh, here, here we are. How, how are your team? How are your fantasy teams doing? Yo, my teams are crushing, to be honest. I mean, save the <laughs> one it. league that, yeah, I, I won everywhere last week, except for the league that you and I are in together, where I lost both Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook and everyone who's listening. It's an auction league, which is why I was able to roster both of those players. Well, that's good to hear. That's awesome. Yeah, my, I'm hit and miss my fantasy teams. I'm most excited about my daughter winning her cross-country meet. And that's amazing. Yeah. I've even waited this long to talk about it because it's my last podcast of the week. So uh, I, I will stop uh, being insufferable. But that's what I've been most excited about. I think that's great. I think it's also awesome that you and Andy, but his daughter, who's you know in college now, is also a cross-country star. If we're going to brag about our kids, if I may, for just one second, my son, who's in Little League, this is his first year of kid pitch, not coach pitch, uh, pitched his first strike out uh, last week, which was the first game of the season. So we're both proud, annoying, awesome. insufferable parents. Yeah. Maybe we'll do a parenting pod that we keep talking about. Yeah. Um, Made up for that Sunday night game I had to sit through as a Niner <laughs> fan, man. We talked about how you like Rodgers, man. I'm just so jealous. I don't have that guy as my quarterback. The swag out there with the long hair. Just so pretty watching him and Adams play catch in person. I mean, it was frustrating. The whole stadium knew where it was going and no one could stop it, man. That was a That was an exciting, fun game. Well, Aaron certainly got romantic over the game that evening, but I am feeling some warm 
kind of romantic feelings about one Taylor Heineke, even if he didn't perform. We saw a lot of Tyler, not Taylor Heineke, in week three, but I really like his matchup at Atlanta this weekend. Let's talk about it. Um, I have him... I know that you're really high, no spoiler alerts, but a little bit of one, on Sam Darnold this week. I have Heineke and Darnold very close in my ranks because I think they could be two big surprises. But Heineke is the one that's being overlooked. I mean, even with last week's performance, he still put in a top 12 fantasy performance, 21 rushing yards. Oh my goodness, Daniel Jones, who we all thought would smash in Atlanta in week three, underwhelmed, but his whole receiving core was hurt. We'll talk about an update on those wide receivers in New York as well. He still managed to rush for over 30 yards, though the Falcons have yet to force a single interception. I think Heineke has top 15 potential, and he's only $26 in our daily game. Obviously, you don't love the the picks in real life, but it helped his fantasy numbers last week. 8.8 YPA in Buffalo, and you said the rushing stats. Uh, the Falcons rank, I think, bottom three in defense DVOA to open the year. So the matchup is fine. They're actually a tough team. They're actually a, a, a pass-funnel defense. They allowed the second-fewest rushing yards to running backs last year, and you're talking about a game indoors. So I'm with you on Heineke. Conversely, I'm so just frustrated with Arthur Smith turning Matt Ryan into— he's the only quarterback in the NFL yet to complete a pass 20 yards down downfield his intended uh, air yards are like three three and a half yards uh, fewer than his career um yeah it's just been disappointing as a Kyle Pitts guy and um I, I ranked uh, Calvin Ridley so aggressive um yeah it's been very disappointing Falcons I believe they ranked dead last in offense DVOA well let's talk about Kyle Pitts because I have him in my notes he's only $16 in our DFS game I put ahead I put him in my expert lineup because if not now then when, Dalton, it's not like we're not seeing him out there. This is not like, oh, he's blocking. No, he's run 101 routes. That's the tight end, too, for that category. He is running more routes than George Kittle, than Mark Andrews. He is up there doing the thing, and yet we're not seeing any production. I mean, if it doesn't happen now, I just don't think it's ever going to happen. And Smith has taken him out in these red zone opportunities at times. It's been so weird. I thought he was hiding him in the preseason to unleash him, you know, but Mm -hmm. it's kind of just been, he continued to hide him. But um, it's so weird too, after passing on a couple of possible franchise quarterbacks to take the tight end. But I'm with you as far as still going back to him. I did the tight ends in in the fearless forecast this week, and I put him in the top 10. Still, you have to with all those routes running. And he's still a special unicorn talent capable of really, you know, busting out any of these weeks. So uh, I'm sticking with uh, Pitts as frustrating as it's been. Mike Davis um, on Fantasy Pros ECR, he keeps telling me I'm ranking him too too low. I guess he's like consensus is top 25 back still. To me, that I don't know. It seems weird to me. CPAT has been equal to him, so I don't know. I don't I don't love starting Mike Davis as much as apparently the expert uh, community does. Yeah, I think everybody is just sort of wait. Well, I definitely don't like uh, either of them. Frankly, definitely not Mike Davis in this matchup, right? Like outside of the top, he's an RB3 if we're facing the Washington defense. And even while the football team has not, their defense at at least has not like played up to expectation, that front is still tough for opposing rushers, especially ones that are as sluggish as Mike Davis. Yeah, no, no, I agree. That's what I'm saying. It seems like too too aggressive a ranking to me. I don't don't love the matchup here. Washington's had some some tough, tough matchups, but certainly not been the defense we expected. But uh yeah, I get, believe it when I see it when Atlanta needs to turn it around because it's been about as ugly as it gets this team. Well, if the defense in Washington is not playing to expectation, the defense in Buffalo is exceeding expectation. They have been absolutely lit all season long, except for that 
weird week one that feels like so anomalistic against Pittsburgh. But this week they are hosting the Houston Texans. I mean, you have to imagine that this is a massive smash spot for every piece of the Bills offense. Um, Stephon Diggs, by the way, is the wide receiver 28 overall in fantasy right now, which is interesting considering he was drafted so high by fantasy managers and ended 2020 as the wide receiver three overall. But there are more mouths to feed in Buffalo. And so he's just not seeing the same sort of volume, not just volume overall, but some of those high value opportunities aren't just automatically going his way. I do think he can find the end zone this week, but I don't really think he'll catch more than five balls because the Bills are such, are favorited by, I think, seven, more than that. How much are they favored? They're they're favored by 17 points. Like this is going to be a Zach Moss game. Yeah, I mean, what you could definitely talk yourself into the game script just leading to so few pass attempts in the second half. Uh, but then you could also counter and say it's okay to bet on a passing attack that, in which the team has one of the highest implied team totals this week. So they will score. If they put up four or five touchdowns and sit out the final quarter, well, you think you bank some stats. But I'm with you as far as Zach Moss and Devin Singletary being interesting flex spots or maybe even in, in DFS this week because the game script does you know call for them. Uh, maybe not being so pass heavy as usual, playing with a big lead with Dav- Davis Mills, you know, QBing uh, Houston. So um, I-, I do think overall Steph Diggs is a buy low, though. I mean, I think he's going to be just mm-hmm. fine moving forward, even if not ideal with now Emmanuel Sanders taking more targets and, and Beasley remaining a target hog as well. But yeah, this one should be an easy win for the Bills, which could result in a, in a lot more rushing attempts over the second half of the game. We're also seeing Dawson Knox be more used in the red area of the field. I mean, he's scored in back-to-back weeks. He's on my sleeper list this week. I'm sure that that's probably a pretty popular pick for a sleeper. I hate chasing touchdowns, but like you said, when you are part, when you're attached to Josh Allen and you're part of such a high volume passing attack, you want as many pieces of that offense as possible, particularly at such a a spot that's as volatile as, uh, as tight end. So it remains to be seen. I think the three pieces of this offense outside of Josh Allen that I'm most interested in this week, though, are going to be Diggs, Knox, and Moss. Let's talk about Houston, though, because Brandon Cooks continue. Like, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. It doesn't matter what uniform he's wearing. This guy puts up 1,000-yard receiving seasons, season after season. But his matchup this week against Tredavious White is very tricky. Here's a fun fact. White has held each wide receiver one to three catches in his coverage so far this season. And those wide receivers include, obviously, Deontay Johnson, Devonta Parker, and Terry McLaurin lost last week. So is Cooks going to continue to buck the trend and be worthy of a flex spot for you, given the matchup? Yeah, he's definitely worthy of a flex spot, just given the opportunity. I mean, he ranks number one in WAPRA. That's weighted opportunity rating when you you know combine t- the team share of air yards. I mean, basically, just no wide receiver in football is getting more opportunity to open the year than Cooks. You hate the matchup. You don't love the quarterback, but he's number six, even in just half PPR leagues, uh, number six wide receiver to open the year. So I, I split the difference, and I think he's like my number 19 wide receiver this week. So, yeah, you hate the matchup, so you can't treat him as a wide receiver one. But, man, given that volume, he's still a wide receiver two for me. I mean, there's no one else there they're throwing it to. Yeah, I would agree with you. Last week, I, I benched him in favor of Michael Pittman in my flex. Well, ended up squeaking it out, but learned my lesson catching nine balls on a Thursday night game. Nine balls back to back, by the way, with Davis Mills passing. I think you have to just kind of like, uh, you know, like squint and put him in and trust that the volume will lean in your direction. Detroit at Chicago. Well, you want to talk about volume. Here's the opposite. 
of, of volume. I mean, a volume of heartbreak, I suppose, but that's about it. Um, Lots of questions at quarterback. Obviously, that's the place we're going to start here. Uh, Matt Nagy came out earlier this week and said that Andy Dalton would still be the starter if he were healthy. Great, great, great. Maybe that's because he hasn't bothered to figure out a game plan for the rookie that fell into his lap and was a gift to the city. The first maybe solid quarterback since Sid Luckman. I'm not counting Jim McMahon, but whatever. No big deal. He needs more time to figure out how to use him properly. Andy Dalton was limited in practice, still dealing with that knee injury, but did practice at some capacity. Justin Fields, who's dealing with the hand issue. Thank you again, Matt Nagy. um, Full practice. So I don't really know what to make of this. All I do know, outside of a fan perspective, is that Allen Robinson has only caught four balls over the last two weeks total, and he has yet to clear more than 35 yards. And that was way back in week one when we thought like, oh, Jalen Ramsey's probably tough coverage. Yeah, it's a concern the quarterback play to say the least. Poor Allen Robinson his whole career. But um I mean was it did Fields really get was it one net passing yard when you factor in 1.1 uh, it was sack, 1.1. I mean it's just just pretty horrific. But it's a nice landing spot to get the Lions defense, maybe the softest one possible. Um it's uh no one will want to use Montgomery in DFS, but I wrote about him in my DFS column both him and Swift in this game. I like I think one's 21 and Swift is 16. Their salaries are totally affordable. Uh, the Lions defense has been really really bad. I don't know. Do you, can you make of the quarterback situation? What is your prediction? Who starts this week in Chicago? I mean, it's really hard not to imagine that David Montgomery and the matchup and the volume won't see something, right? Like, I have him as a low-end RB1. Let's imagine that RB11 to 13 space, I think, is is probably where I'd put him. Um, and as for Swift, like, I have Swift very similarly ranked, you know? In fact, I'm seeing in our consensus ranks that – Either people have Swift slightly ahead or Monty slightly ahead, but usually by the same number of ranks. Obviously, Swift is seeing a ton of production through the air, and we know he's an excellent pass catcher, was in college. He's working as the team's wide receiver one. So in PPR-friendly formats, I'm going to give it to Swift. And in standard, like, no PPR at all leagues, then Monty in the goal line would have the edge. Swift is so good. I'm pretty much ranking him top 10 every week moving forward. Even Dan Campbell came out and said he's going to be getting a lot more touches. Uh, you worry about the the injury concern moving forward. You don't love the offensive environment, but man, the targets and the high value touches. I mean, he's getting the goal line and the all the targets. You just, I don't, and he's so good too. So, so yeah, I mean, Swift at $16, uh, that's, that's just simply going to go, go, it's going to move way up moving forward. Carolina at Dallas. Now you are, if I am high on Taylor Heineke, you are high, if not higher, on Sam Darnold. Tell the world why. Sure. So you get an 8.3 YPA post Adam Gase. This game's indoors, a high over under, 51 and a half points. No CMC. Uh, you could argue that also doesn't help them move the chains, but you'd think the Panthers are going to have to pass more than they have to open the year, probably playing from behind. So um, yeah, I like, you know, DJ Moore. Uh, DJ Moore will have to get Tri- Trevon Diggs this game, but um, maybe Robbie Anderson breaks out. Um, Darnold, I think he's uh, moderately priced in, in DFS and uh, he can run a little. So I think he's going to force him to pass more than usual. So he can be like a top 15 fantasy QB this week. I, I dig it. Let's talk about Robbie Anderson because he's been the source of a lot of um, agita for fantasy managers, myself included. I, I, ha- I was really, I talked about this with Chris Harris on the Harris football podcast. Like there's nothing that I can see that Robbie Anderson is doing wrong. He's not, he's just not getting the ball, you know, like he's not, he's not missing assignments. He's not running bad routes. He's just not involved. And 
there were reports earlier this week that Matt Rule said they were going to have to focus on getting him more involved. Now, obviously, it's not just CMC that Carolina will be without. Sam Darnold is also going to be without his tight end, Dan Arnold, whom he had showed a considerable amount of chemistry for because Arnold got traded for C.J. Anderson in Jacksonville to replace J.C. Horn at cornerback. Um, So there should be more targets available, especially if the Cowboys are four-and-a-half-point favorites and Darnold is going to have to push and chase points. I also think there's an opportunity here for Terrace Marshall, who's seeing more target volume and a larger target share than Robbie Anderson because Jordan Lewis, who is the uh, Cowboys slot cornerback, like, hasn't been great. He's allowing a passer rating of above 113%. So I think maybe all three receivers could get involved in this particular matchup with such a high over under 51 and a half. Yeah, I think Anderson is a sleeper this week with no CMC. Diggs may shadow more. Diggs really has been shadowing. Yep. And I love more moving forward as a top 10 guy. He looks like a, a true alpha breakout. But Anderson, it's been disappointing uh, that they haven't had the rapport of his old quarterback right away. But um, you read uh, more into it. And it's like, oh, he just missed here and there. And they're working on the chemistry will come. And uh, yeah, I think this this week, why not now? Indoors uh, should have to pass more than usual. And Diggs may just be totally blanketing more. So if not Terrace Marshall or, or Robbie Anderson, I'd be surprised if one of the two does doesn't break out. Believe in yourself, Trayvon. Let's talk about Dallas. Amari Cooper. Well, you know what? Actually, Amari Cooper is like kind of a mystery. But I think the reason he's been a mystery is that in week one, we saw the Kellen Moore experience fully unleashed, right? High volume passing. And then over the past two weeks, you've seen McCarthy kind of stick his stick his finger in the sauce and be like, nah, 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 y'all. We got to run. Look at how much we we got this running back tandem. One is explosive, catches balls. The other one's a bulldozer and does all the things. And by the way, oh, we paid him a bunch of money. And over the past two weeks, we're not quite seeing Dallas return to that like high-powered, throw-the-ball-all-over-the-yard sort of look. I think that is affecting the wide receivers here. Are you imagining, especially in a matchup where they're favored, for that to continue? Yeah, weeks two and three, I think Dak threw the ball basically comparable to how many th- the amount he threw week one. Um, I'm not sure which was going to be more true moving forward. But Carolina's a tough team to run against. There's no Michael Gallup. It feels like kind of fluky how the tight ends have gotten so involved in last week's game script was so weird with the Eagles. I'm firing up CeeDee Lamb and Cooper with confidence this week. I think they do bounce back. The targets return. Carolina's defense is most susceptible out there, and they, they lost J.C. Horn, too, last week. So I like Lamb and Cooper to bounce back. They have big home road splits, too, uh, typically in the past. I mean, not that they haven't been getting it done on the road this year, but in the past, Dak has just been unreal at home. So I like CeeDee Lamb, and I like Amari Cooper quite a bit this week. I think that's a good call, um, mentioning the home road splits. I have Cooper. I did wide receivers for my fearless forecast this week. So I think Cooper flirts with 70 yards, but I'm not quite sure he finds the end zone. That's still better, by the way, than his six balls for a total of 50 yards over the past two weeks, you know? Yeah, he's playing with tender ribs, I guess it could be pointed out. You know, we don't know how much that's affecting him. You know, right. Was it just the lack of looks or was he, you know, more of a decoy because of those tender ribs? Let's talk about Indianapolis at Miami. I mean, could there be a less exciting, by the way, matchup on the books? Like, I saw this one. I was like, oh, okay. Like, I guess I guess we should talk about Jonathan Taylor. Marlon Mack's name is in the news. 
The Colts have like agreed to trade him, which I don't think affects Taylor, frankly. I think it affects Hines, and it's why you didn't see Naheem Hines in week two do as much damage. But 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 Hines remains very much involved. I know you're super bullish on Taylor, and I'm imagining you're gonna continue to be. Yeah, I mean, obviously I'm discouraged. I, I really like Jonathan yeah. Taylor, the the player. Um, Quentin Nelson is out. Uh, Indies just refuses to play its best players. There's a huge downgrade at quarterback, uh, clearly, with especially a banged up Wentz. I do not think Jonathan Taylor is going to be a fantasy bust, but um, I'm not as high on him as I was before the season. Um, he could have a big game here, though. It's totally possible. Um, conversely, though, the Dolphins, just $12. There's a lot of interesting lower-priced uh, defenses this week. And at home against that you know mess of a quarterback situation with the injuries on the offensive line, I could see Miami being a, a sneaky defense. They're, uh, they're, ranked, they're top seven in DVOA this year. So like them. And then Gasicki ran a ton more routes uh, last week and is suddenly an option in a real thin tight end position. But I'm with you. This is a really boring game. And not much to talk about. You know that Neam Hines has actually outscored Jonathan Taylor in PPR leagues through three weeks, which is just, you know, not ideal. Taylor had, I think, six catches in week one, but only one catch apiece over the past two weeks. And it's Hines who's continued to, I mean, Reich likes him, right? Like Reich's never getting rid of him. And I think, frankly, the bad ankles that Wentz is dealing with is only going to contribute to more targets for Hines because he's just lacking even more mobility and needs to check down and get the ball out, especially if his center isn't available, you know? Yeah, no, I can see more of it. Hines is definitely here to stay. You're, you're totally. They gave him the contract too. So yeah, it's going to be a problem for, for those with, with Taylor for the rest of, rest of the year too, for sure. That means Hines is like a solid flex and flex in PPR friendly yeah. format every single week. You can't sit him. So let's talk about Miami because there are a couple of interesting wrinkles happening and obviously all without Tua Tungavailoa. Will Fuller did not practice on Wednesday. He's dealing with chest and elbow issues, but he did return to practice on Thursday. So we'll see as the week evolves, like what kind of involvement we're expecting from him. I think, and I said this on Sunday night's pod, the most encouraging thing is that while Jalen Waddle's usage is certainly curious, like you don't expect this speedy potential deep threat to work as like a sure handed slot guy who's who's like only who's high his longest completion was like nine yards right that's a little bit confounding but we'll take the volume we he ha- he's working even as a re- even as a rookie with the backup quarterback with whom he doesn't have a relationship is working as the team's number one in terms of target opportunity so i like do I think he catches six balls in this game? Yeah. Do I think it's for a hundred yards? Nope. Maybe half that. Yeah, thirteen targets last week keeps keeps Waddle on the uh, the flex radar, but it's just a problem as long as Jacoby Brissett is starting for my what was his YPA last week? It was ugly, four point four or something. Um, so. Ideally, Tua gets back sooner rather than later before you're relying on any pass catchers in Miami. But yeah, Waddle, I mean, 13 targets. Yeah, he's just glory. Yeah, I mean, not not a bad PPR flex option for sure. No, it's just weird to see Jalen Waddle like working as Jarvis Landry. Yeah, very odd. Yeah, not not ideal fit. Super peculiar. And speaking of Jarvis Landry, let's talk about Cleveland at Minnesota. Landry, obviously on IR, not available for this matchup, but OBJ is. He, by the way, is only $27 in Yahoo DFS. I think we are both on the same page about him. We both have him ranked more aggressively than the rest of the crew. He converted five of nine for 77 yards last week and came like super close to a touchdown. We're rolling with him. I think he is 
I think he's easily a wide receiver three, even if people are skittish because he's OBJ, but he could definitely work as like a mid-range wide receiver two as well. Oh, yeah, I have him top 20 this week. I mean, no guarantee that knee won't flare up moving forward or whatever, but indoors and in the high uh, high over-under here, no Landry. Um, yeah, I think a lot of points are going to be scored. He looked good last week, and he he actually had a real high target share for and a share of his team yards and whatnot. So um, I'm in on, on Beckham. He looked good, and I, again, he could go down, and, and I have no promises health-wise moving forward, but for this week and this matchup, I really like him as a top 20 fantasy wideout. And I think as long as Matt and I talked about this on Sunday night as well, as long as Jarvis Landry is out, you're going to see those short range targets go more to Kareem Hunt, which bolsters his stock and makes him a nice flex as well. Hunt, I keep saying like, uh, it's tough to start because of the, you know, the, the, the latter half of the committee, but he get, gets it done get continuously. On the Minnesota side of things, Dalvin Cook was limited in practice on Wednesday and Thursday, but he did participate, so that's good. And I think the assumption is that at least at the time of this recording on Thursday afternoon, he is expected to play. If he does, he's like an RB2 or RB3 for the week. I don't think anyone's blinking. He's the uh, second most expensive running back in Yahoo's daily game. If he's not, then you're going to play Alexander Madison, who last week in the stead of Cook was a top 10 play, 26 carries for 112 yards. I'm pretty sure fantasy managers, at least anyone who is regularly listening to any of the fantasy football forecast podcasts knows the deal here. Yeah, just fire up whoever's starting. If if Cook is inactive, go ahead and start Madison with confidence. And if Cook's active, you got to play him. I mean, it's not ideal he's 100%, but obviously, yeah. I mean, he's so, so good when out there. So, yeah, it just, just comes down to health. On Sunday, the Saints will return to the Superdome, and they will be hosting the Giants. Now, how many members of the Giants' offense travel with the team will be uh, interesting. Sterling Shepard did not practice on Wednesday or Thursday. He's still dealing with that hamstring injury that he suffered in-game on Sunday. Same for Darius Slayton, did not practice on Wednesday or Thursday, also hamstring. Galladay is limited on Thursday, still with that hip injury that he was be, that was being managed on Sunday. He was in and out of the game with the hip injury. That's going to be all year until he gets the surgery. I keep saying it. Fine. Uh, Evan Ingram made his return last Sunday, but uh, caught two balls out of six for 21. Oh, and he had a nice fumble. That happened, too. Uh, and by nice, I mean costly. And Saquon Barkley, who did look better, much better against Atlanta had himself a gorgeous touchdown is facing the Saints defense so womp, womp, don't like that either yeah uh, there's no starts you absolutely love here at all it's frustrating the Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton both leaving early in that game too and you can't rely on Galladay who's still probably looking at limited snaps so boy it's tough to do but I kind of want to recommend Evan Ingram at just $12 because there's few tight ends looking at that volume he's such a disappointment though but with those receivers if they're you know two of those three are inactive I mean I guess you gotta he, he becomes an option if you're uh, if you're looking to go cheap at the position but man he's been a he's been a total total disaster for sure I mean there's part of me that was almost considering Kyle Rudolph ahead of Ingram because Ingram's still clearly shaking off us but you have to imagine against this front in New Orleans, Rudolph's going to be blocking a ton. Yeah, they're not going to be able to run against him successfully. And if there's no Shepard, Slayton, and a, and a limited Galladay, I mean, even by default, uh, Ingram might look at double-digit uh, targets. Now, I can't promise he'll do anything with them, but the volume should be there. Over under two and a half fumbles for Daniel Jones. <laughs> yeah, I know, because that New Orleans defense is good. They, Kamara said just throw out that one week with all the coaches were on, on the COVID list. 
Um, otherwise, they've been great. And as you said, return to New Orleans indoors for the first time, full full capacity. Um, probably go under two and a half. Because, uh, but um, yeah, he probably will fumble twice. You're right. I set an aggressive line. Um, let's talk about New Orleans. I think obviously, you know, album is in a, a smash spot right here after we just talked about the horrors that the Giants' offense are is facing. But what about Marquez Calloway? You know, the, 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 the I don't even. I still, the New Orleans offense still remains very much a mystery to me. Yeah, it's super weird because the volume's been so low. Um, I could see if you're, if you really need a flex help, I could see Callaway as disappointing as he's been. I could also see him being dropped already from a lot of the teams that have been so disappointed. So he still appears to be their number one. And, you know, Michael Thomas isn't back yet, nor is Traquan Smith. So, yeah, if you're, if you, you could, I mean, Callaway, you wouldn't feel great about it, but I mean, I could see it. I feel like if you're in a 14-team league, of which you and I are both in a lot right. of, and you have a mandatory start three wide receivers and then multiple flexes, there's a world in which he makes it. Like, he's probably a top 50-ish wide receiver, and so he makes it into, like, a low-end flex position um, because he is the wide receiver one, even though you're not expecting a ton of volume in this matchup. Um, but, you know, if he catches three balls and one's in the end zone, uh, I don't like chasing touchdowns, but here you go. Like, there's an argument. You can see that happen. It's in the range of possible outcomes, I suppose you could say. Yeah, I just looked at him as my wide receiver 51. So, uh, yeah, it makes sense. Deeper leagues, he's a possible option. Wild that um, Derrick Henry has more catches than Alvin Kamara to open the season. Oh, that is an interesting stat. And it's the perfect segue because we're going to talk about Tennessee at the Jets right now. Uh, Derrick Henry, let's start with him. We definitely should. He is the highest priced running back in our daily game. And for good reason, he's $41. But listen, the rest of Tennessee is kind of a mess. A.J. Brown likely out again with the hamstring injury. He was sidelined from practice on Thursday. Julio Jones, we found out the answer to the mystery. Why didn't Julio Jones with A.J. Brown out of the contest see the field for the bulk of the second half last week? Oh, he was hurt. He's also dealing with a hamstring injury. He was also sidelined on practice. He was sidelined from practice on Thursday. Uh, So now we've got Derrick Henry and um, this Nicholas something or other rookie and Chester Rogers. Yeah, I guess Nick Westbrook, Akini, Akini, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but he's a real deep sleeper this week because of all the injuries, as you mentioned. And Derrick Henry, just the clear number one fantasy back moving forward, getting the, the targets this year. He has 63 carries the last two weeks. The next closest has 38. I mean, he's just the team's entire offense, and that's before they lost both their receivers. So, yeah, I mean, Derrick Henry is just, uh, yeah, you're, you're happy if you have him on your fantasy team. As I said, more catches than Alvin Kamara even so, uh, yeah, otherwise, I mean, it's a, yeah, this offense, Tennessee, is uh, so many injuries. What, do you, what are you going to do? Do you have any particular sleeper you like as far as the pass catchers? No, no. I, I think the, um, I the Nicholas, Nicholas Akaini Westbrook fellow is, the, I mean, I don't feel comfortable rolling him out because I think there is a very likely scenario where Derrick Henry just eats everything. And so you won't need to. But I will say that the Jets have been given a slight break. Like, karmically, they may not feel like it's enough because they've been dealt a pretty tough hand to start the season. But if they were going to take on the Titans, whose pass defense in particular and secondary is not particularly stout, and they aren't going to be able to play catch-up in the same way against the Jets, and here is an opportunity for Zach Wilson to at least maybe keep things semi-close, right? Like, I don't, if you want a super deep sleeper for me, it's always tough to get running back sleepers because there are so few of them. But I do think Michael Carter could do something in this matchup because 
of all of the injuries in Tennessee. And even though Tennessee is easier to beat via the air than they are on the ground, Carter has managed to climb his way up the depth chart. Tevin Coleman, like, it doesn't matter if he's out with a non-COVID-related illness or not. He's not a factor. And Michael Carter is playing ahead of Ty Johnson, who I know you liked heading into the season. So I do think at the top, at least in the first quarter, with those young legs, in an attempt to play keep away, there might be some opportunities. And then he might also just be able to get himself a goal line grab. And I also think Corey Davis is probably going to see a lot of volume. And since he's not playing Belichick this week, he'll be able to convert on a decent number of those looks. Yeah, the Jets have played an extremely tough schedule. They're at home. The Titans do not have a good defense. All those injuries. Um, I, I really like Corey Davis this week in, in this matchup. I think there's an upset chance here. I would personally avoid Tennessee and survivor pools. Um, everyone's, I mean, Zach Wilson's been really, really ugly. But again, the, the, the matchups have been so tough. And I think it eases up here. And um, again, I think the Jets are a, a live dog in this, uh, in this matchup. And I would fire up Corey Davis. Yeah, we're in the same we're in the same boat. Then I feel like this is going to be a trap for a lot of people. I love that you mentioned the survivor pool. So we're in agreement. Um, Kansas City has dropped the last two games in a row, which is, I think, surprising to a lot of people. Um, Meanwhile, the Raiders and the Broncos, I believe, are both three and oh, wild in the AFC West. But the Chiefs are traveling to take on the Eagles, the over under as they are in most Chiefs matchups or most games featuring the Chiefs is pretty high at 54 and a half. Um, I am going to ask you, even though Josh Gordon, we have to talk about it, even though he's probably not going to be active this week per Andy Reid, how much fad you spend on him? I actually didn't go very aggressively. Maybe I'll regret it. No, I actually don't have him anywhere. I actually don't. Um, I saw some people spend quite a bit. Um, it's been so long. I can see it, though. I mean, I, I'm rooting for Josh Gordon, for sure. I hope he balls out. I, I'd love it. But um, I have a um, – I actually did not. I did not go too aggressive. Did you, Liz? No, I didn't. I, I mean, to be honest, I was too busy working on Tuesday and missed waivers yeah, this week. Yeah. That, <laughs> that, that, might, that might be part of my problem, too, is this life getting – yeah, too. But uh, uh, no, I, I know it feels like someone I've hyped in the past, no question about it. And I love Josh Gordon, and he's in the best – you know, I mean, now he's in the Chiefs offense, so he's certainly on the fantasy radar. I get it, but – expectations need to be uh obviously held in held in check here did you put in any money for him any bids um i if i did i did not did not win it was not enough because i know that i end up with them on none but it was very mod it was not enough but i i i don't have and you know in fairness i don't have a ton of fab left after blowing it all on elijah mitchell it's <laughs> a very good point it's a very good point i mean i think this sense this pickup by the Chiefs makes a lot of sense because defenses have keyed in on Tyreek Hill over the past two weeks and oh what do you know they've lost the past two weeks you know my friend my friend and co-host Austin Eckler who obviously has very recent familiarity with the Chiefs as of last week said that you know Tyreek Hill has a giant target on his back defenses now know what he's going to do and they're going to put all of their efforts into stopping him if you put Josh Gordon on the field with Sammy Watkins no longer available, that at least spreads things out a little bit. That is a question mark that defenses probably feel, or at least the Chiefs feel, they'll need to account for, and it should free up Hill a, a little bit more. Now, I do think in this matchup at Philadelphia, where the Chiefs, I mean, where the Eagles have just been, I mean, we saw them on prime time, right? Like, not impressive. I think there's an opportunity here for Hill to get loose. I'm not sure he finds the end zone, but I do think he flirts with 100 yards. 
it's an indictment on Nicole Hardman too, the the signing of Gordon because it's not been able to take it's just not really taking it you know advantage of the, his new situation. Um, weird, weird, funny stat last week the Eagles had the fewest carries by a running back in a in, in a game in NFL history, um, and now this week, and now yeah too, and then this week they get a KC run defense that ranks last in uh, DVOA. Well, actually last in both rush defense and pass defense DVOA, which is tough to do. Conversely, Carolina somehow ranks first in both pass and, and rush uh, DVOA defense. But KC's just been a disaster defensively. Um, obviously, we saw Philadelphia struggle offensively. So uh, we'll see what ha- last week. So we'll see what happens. I kind of like Devontae Smith to, uh, to break out here and maybe cash in some of those unrealized air yards in this matchup. 100% agree with you. Devonta Smith is $17 in Yahoo DFS, and he won't have Trayvon Diggs, his former college teammate, bothering him. We talked about Diggs when we featured the Dallas matchup. Also, Jalen Rager, who saw five, who's seen five targets at every single game so far this season, had a couple almost touchdowns. Um, he is $16. So I like either of those options in DFS, especially if you're trying to pay up to get Der- Derrick Henry or you know Patrick Mahomes, who's the most expensive quarterback this week. I think there's some variance here. And you mentioned Miles Sanders. I agree with you, only two carries. This should be um, a situation in which he bounces back. I still have him ranked inside my top 20. Yeah, oh yeah, me too. And especially coming off last week, they'll they'll counter that with giving him more. And the, theoretically, they want to keep Mahomes off the field and run the clock and all that stuff. So yeah, I'm using Sanders this week in this matchup for sure. As our friend Vlad Sedler says, um, by the dip, by the dip. Uh, Arizona at Los Angeles, you know, everybody bought Rondell Moore, but he was the one who dipped. It did not work out. Just a reminder for everybody, he is the fourth wide receiver on this squad. He is number four in terms of snaps um, and in terms of routes run per game. I just wanted to, everyone keeps saying this, but I wanted to contextualize it for our listeners. So I looked up the numbers and Moore is running about 14 routes per game. Compare that to AJ Green. Yes, the guy that you all think is washed is running 29 routes per game. So that is nearly half as many as AJ Green. So just a reminder when we're putting more in our lineups, I know we want to chase points. I know he's got upside, but you got to remember the roster construction and balance when you're setting those lineups. Regardless, this should be another high-scoring game. 55 is the over-under. You've got Nuke, who's been dealing with that rib injury, returning to practice on Thursday. You also have Daryl Henderson on the Ram side of things, also dealing a lot of ribs, a lot of rib issues right now. He participated in practice. McVeigh isn't saying 100% that Henderson will be active, but the expectation is for him to play. So Rondell Moore, yeah, boomer bust with that deep speed type. Uh, I really like Christian Kirk is, is getting better. And DeAndre Hopkins is uh, surprise, surprisingly ranks fourth on the Car- Cardinals in targets to open the year. Um, obviously partially a health issue and he had the big week one. Uh, for the Rams, Arizona defense definitely improved this year, but they've struggled against the run. So it's just a health issue. You're starting Henderson or Sony Michelle. Don't forget Michelle faced a really tough Tampa Bay run defense last week. So he he got all the touches. Jake Funk got like one or something. So Michelle absolutely can be fantasy valuable moving forward in the weeks during the weeks in which uh, Daryl Henderson inevitably misses games. And Cooper Cup, I'm just so... Sorry to interrupt, but which of them... I mean, if Henderson plays, the assumption is, right, that Henderson will see the the larger bulk of the work but if Henderson is hampered and McVeigh has spoken openly ahead of the season before Michelle was added after Cam Akers went down that his biggest concern was Henderson's durability not his talent you have to imagine that he'll be 
managed in some way. This isn't like Sony Michelle isn't disappearing now. Yeah, and there's also some some concern with the with the hurt ribs, but McVay typically just treats his lead back like a lead back whenever they're available. So I would definitely be starting Henderson if he's active and just expect him to be treated mostly like a workhorse and then just wait for Michelle whenever Henderson's inactive. But I could be wrong and I could delve into more of a committee in an effort to keep Henderson healthy, and that would be wouldn't be ideal. But that that's my ho- my hope, and that's how I'm treating him moving forward. I'm so jealous of not having more Cooper Cup because this isn't just been some some fluke or whatever. I mean, obviously the target percentage is not going to be 40 percent but the the rapport he has with Stafford and they're just like staying after practice and it's just it's ridiculous and it's it's obviously McVeigh's mind and now Stafford at QB and Cup there he's the I mean whatever he's the minimum he's the number two fantasy wide receiver moving forward what are you doing with Robert Woods especially when you see this many points available in a matchup yeah, it's he, I can't figure him out either. Um, I guess it just depends on my alternatives, but I'm certainly concerned. I mean, Van Jefferson's running the similar amount of routes and he's just so far behind Cup, but I wouldn't be shocked if he also has a really good game and everyone says relax. So you're probably rolling with Woods, but honestly, you don't feel great about it. I mean, it, it's it's not ideal. Sometimes you're more worried about product, you know, process and production. And this is one of those times you look at Van Jefferson also running the routes and it's like, oh, this may not be a total fluke and just a bad luck situation. But the, at the same time, he's been so good in the past and the Rams have been so effective. Uh, do you have a strong take on Woods? I don't have a strong take. I mean, I, I've been trying to figure out a reason. Like, I went back and watched highlights from this game. And I think the truth is that Stafford has this really strong arm. And he is fear, and he has tons of time. They've done a great job with that offensive line. And he has a play caller who, you know, likes to be aggro unless he's in the playoffs. So you don't have to worry about the screens and the slants that Jared Goff was utilizing last year and that Robert Woods benefited from, right? Because he can just throw, chuck it up and let Cooper Cup fly after the catch or let Deshaun Jackson do his top off the defense thing or Van Jefferson who profiles similarly to D Jackson. You just don't need to dink and dunk the way that Jared Goff needed to. Matt Stafford just doesn't freak out to the same level and, he can work through his progressions in a, like without having McVeigh up in his ear as much, you know? And I think that because of that, it's almost like Stafford is so good that he doesn't need a player as reliable as Woods. He can just like, let it run, let it cut it, cut it and like YOLO ball it a little bit more. And so you're not seeing Woods get the production. I, I think you're praying for a touchdown, frankly, when you see a matchup. This like, I don't, I don't think that Woods clears five catches, but I do think, Maybe he finds the end zone when I see a over under a 55 and I think like, okay, like I'm not, I'm not scared of the Cardinals secondary. And I know that Woods has like, is a, you know, is a physical receiver. And so that's what I'm, I think that, but I, I think you have to move him to like wide receiver three territory. Yeah, uh, ironically, the better quarterback is hurt his fantasy value. I'm with you as wide receiver three. Um, but, and then you say, yeah, you said it, a 55.5 point over under in which they're four and a half point favorites at home. So they're going to score points. So he's still, yeah, he's still a, he's still a flex option there. But man, a couple more weeks of, of that and you could, uh, you know, you're, you're going to have to consider the, the bench. But man, Cooper Cup, monster. Monster, for sure. All right, let's talk about Seattle at San Francisco. Another NFC West showdown. All of the NFC West is playing each other this week. That's interesting. Uh, this matchup features your team, uh, the 49ers. 
the over under is 51 and a half. So you expect there'll be an, a lot of fantasy gold here. And I am anticipating that maybe you're feeling a lot better about one Brandon Ayuk. I know I will say at $15, I put him in my expert DFS lineup, but just for the people listening, we're watching Ayuk grow into this offense over the past three weeks. Week one, 48% snap share. Week two, 55% snap share. Week three, 86% snap share routes run. I would say a more important or more indicative stat to his involvement. Week one, 12 routes. Week two, 15 routes. Week three, 39 routes plus three red zone looks. How are you feeling about Brandon Ayuk now? Yeah, he was second in, in looks inside the five last year behind only Devontae Adams. So they do like getting him in the red area. Um, this looks like he's healthier, so it's very encouraging. I think you can fire him up in fantasy lineups now. Um, that was a very uh, disheartening start to the year, but he looks healthy. And clearly, I mean, Trent Sherfield is now nowhere to be seen. Um, they still have a question at quarterback. It was weird watching the crowd get so loud when Trent, Trey Lance came in the game. They had to put up on the screen the offense at work, you know, quiet down. They were just, everyone was... Yeah, I was at the game. Everyone stood up and cheered when poor Garoppolo ran off the field. It's uh, if you almost feel bad for him. But um, and then and then so yes, I'm, I'm with you with Ayuk, especially George Kittle. He he hurt his calf in that game and he continues to miss practice. I think he's gonna play, but he may not be looking at his normal targets. And the running back situation's a mess because Trey Sermon and or the blocking has not been nearly as good as expected. And Elijah Mitchell continues to miss practice with that shoulder injury. I think Mitchell's gonna be the guy when he does return, but it may not be this week. So I may rely on the pass more. I kind of like Ayuk and Samuel, and it's, it's Shanahan's just sticking with Garoppolo for the foreseeable future, right or wrong. I know you said you uh. You, you're attracted to intelligent guys, but man, after watching my, my Shanahan, uh, you know, p- punt on fourth down to Aaron Rodgers, uh, he's routinely ranks low in fourth down aggressiveness. That play at the end when they didn't run down the clock, you know, I don't know, man, Shanahan isn't quite so sexy after uh, watching that performance on Sunday night. You inferred that I was talking about Kyle Shanahan when in fact I meant Kyle Yushik, Harvard alum, oh. Kyle Yushik. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's getting there. He's a. He's like their lead back, man. He's seriously getting more care. Yeah, he, yeah that's that's a, an indictment on Trey Sermon there. But um, yeah, okay. So it was a, an exciting game, though. And, you know, man, uh, Aaron Rodgers, as I said earlier, dude, what a performance. What a player. Pretty, pretty impressive. Baltimore at Denver. This is an interesting game. To me, it's interesting that Denver is favorited in this one, I believe, by just one point. But that says a lot about what <laughs> this team, the turnaround that they've been able to have over the past year I think the biggest concern to everyone would be the backfield in Baltimore you know over the first two weeks it looked like Tyson Williams was the answer he looked great in terms of like running the ball but he did miss a couple of assignments his timing wasn't quite on par with Lamar's and then last week we saw him kind of get pushed to the side in favor of Latavius Murray honestly though neither of it like if we're going to be honest the entire Baltimore offense was off against Detroit, right? I think there was a little bit of a like, eh, this is after an emotional, you pointed out an emotional win. Like this is kind of a, it was a little bit of a trap game for them. They thought it might've been a gimme and you saw Hollywood Brown drop two, maybe three touchdowns, potential touchdowns um, in that one. So the matchup though is tough because Denver, even without Bradley Chubb has been solid. So I think this one is going to be, kind of a brawl I like Lamar I'll buy the dip on Hollywood to bounce back it is you guys got to watch the receiving core though because a lot of the younger receivers Miles Boykin and the rookie they drafted are being I believe activated back onto the squad now from IR right 
Tyson Williams just one touch in the first half last week. So if they can't get it done against the Lions, I'm not starting any fantasy back in for Baltimore against in Denver. Um, I'm with you with Hollywood Brown. We'll bounce back. That was just crazy, man. I had a survivor, uh, me and a, and a co-manager do a really big buy-in, and he had us go with the Ravens in this game, and it was just a crazy roller, roller coaster of emotions watching that one. Um, Rashad Bateman should be stashed in benches. He's just activated off the IR. Um, man, Lamar, Lamar Jackson's so, so good. And uh, But this is a tough, tough matchup, you know, going to Denver, um, with some uh, banged up offensive linemen, and he's missing practice with the with the hurt back. But man, so fun watching Lamar Jackson this year. Um, I believe it's NFL uh, NFL's Greg Rosenthal said the stat. He leads the NFL in yards per completion and yards per rush. I mean, that's pretty good. So that's pretty good. I, th- I think he's proving himself. On the Denver side of things, they had another wide receiver injury, KJ Hamler on IR with a knee injury. So that means Judy is still out with the ankle, leaving Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant to lead the pass catchers. Um, Baltimore's secondary has been banged up, um, and Teddy Bridgewater has been efficient. And so I think you're probably rolling with all three of those guys, but you're prioritizing Sutton and then probably Fant. And then lastly, Patrick, do you agree? Yep, agree uh, across the board there. Sutton, top 20 was fantasy wide receiver for me this week. Last week, the game script just didn't call for him. But the other game before, when Judy was out, he was, uh, you know, the true number one receiver for them. So I really like Sutton in this matchup. What about Williams and Gordon? Um, They're always very closely ranked. It's very, very close timeshare. I have, since the start of the season, continuously ranked Gordon ahead of Williams. Do you see a shift happening anytime soon? Um, no, unless an injury strikes, I think it's going to be like 60, 40 Gordon. And I rank him slightly higher too. Unfortunately, you know, you know, kind of cutting into each other's values. All right. Let's, uh, go to the Pittsburgh at green Bay game. Woof. This, uh, probably won't be too much fun. If you're a Steelers fan, uh, the good news, however, though, is that Deontay Johnson did practice in full on Thursday. Juju Smith Schuster was limited. Claypool limited, but at least the number one is back out there. I've gotten a lot of Claypool questions because of the, you know, question marks about availability. Um, I think if you're looking at Green Bay, like, I don't know, I'm not afraid of their secondary. I think Deontay, if he's healthy, could could probably smash. I threw a dart at um, Friar Muth last week, and that seemed to work out. I think he's going to be another red zone option, particularly if, like, Juju isn't out there or Claypool isn't fully back to health yet. Um, And otherwise, it's Najee Harris. But I I do still think that Claypool would be the wide receiver. I was I'm going to prioritize Claypool ahead of Juju, I guess, is what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, totally agree there. But I will say I'm less interested in Claypool and Najee, who combined for 34 targets last week with the knowledge that Deontay Johnson returned to practice fully. So that hurts him a little bit. But um, but yeah, Claypool, I mean, he's the touchdown guy. I like him way more than Juju. Far more fantasy upside, younger, and, and, and another, another you know, level to grow to. I get a ton of questions about Claypool and how people want to start. Maybe people want to start Juju ahead of Claypool because Juju feels like a safer option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he is a uh, PPR, but yeah, no, he's he's banged up too, though. He le- left last week's game. Uh, they have to pay attention to all the receivers in Pittsburgh, and I don't know how much Big Ben has uh, left in him, how many games he has left. I like the Packers, at, at the, the stone minimum in Yahoo DFS, just $10, you know, nearly touchdown favorites at home. I know they don't have a very good real-life defense, but man, Big Ben looks washed. I mean, it looks really, really ugly out there. So I like the Packers as the, the minimum price in for, for DFS. 
Why don't you take a belated victory lap on your boy MVS? Yeah, he had a really, well, he left hurt, but yes, that was uh, actually really close to where I was sitting. He caught that touch. He called it the greatest pass ever thrown to him, that, that pass that, that Rodgers threw. But yes, he finally cashed in some of those air yards for a score, but now he's sidelined with, a, I think he pulled his hammy or something. But uh, yeah, you know, it's like MVS, you know, right when you're starting to get a little encouraged, it's another step back. Hammies and ribs seem to be the theme heading out of week three. Let's talk about the Sunday night game. It's going to be a good one. We might as well call it the Brady Bowl. Tampa Bay at New England. The return of not just Tom Brady, but don't forget Rob Gronkowski. The Bucks are favored by seven in this one. Oh, my goodness. Like, I, are we not just thinking that Tom Brady's going to go completely ham? Like he's a top five quarterback. I don't care. Top three. This is it. Maybe this is this is it for me. Tom Brady, top five quarterback. Hashtag peak Brady. I have him as my QB three this week. I, I hear you. I'm falling. I'm falling for the narrative too. I mean, I, I get it. The Belichick. Belichick knows like the offense and all that. But Brady's going to want to stick it to him. Antonio Brown's returning. I mean, they're they have such a better roster. Mac Jones just looks a little bit, you know, not quite ready. So I'm ready for, for Brady to just stick it to Belichick and go crazy. They're going to be throwing even if they have a 20 point lead in this game. So yeah, I coming off a loss too. Coming off a loss last week. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think it's going to be a it's going to be a, a, a nice performance. But it's so funny that obviously the schedule makers looked ahead. This wasn't just coincidence, but the fact he can break the record for most passing yards when, during his return to New England it's almost too perfect. And you know, also another fun fact: this is uh, the largest age difference between starting quarterbacks in NFL history. Him and Mac. Thank you for bringing that trivia. That is awesome. Let's give the Patriots a little bit of shine here. I do think Jacoby Myers will remain a nice high volume option. I, I like him. Obviously the Bucks are dealing with some injury issues. They went and added Richard Sherman to the secondary. You mad, bro? I don't know. <laughs> I am mad because the Niners need help. And we, 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 oh, we love, we love Sherman here. So I am mad that he didn't go back to San Francisco. Well, I think there's, I think there's other ish going on. He probably had to leave the West coast for numerous reasons that aren't just on the field no i know but i'm saying lynch and stuff love him and his family i mean there's a connection there too i mean like we were supporting him like through this all like i, I really there was a close you know that was a consideration for sure san francisco but yeah the rich get richer in tampa bay and i also think that one of my sleepers this week is going to be hunter henry i really like hunter henry this week he is playing ahead of Johnu Smith. And I think when, you know, we're not, I haven't heard a lot of people talk about the fact that James White isn't available or the knee jerk plug and play simplistic fantasy analysis is that like, oh, JJ Taylor, I hear he's a pass catching back. Like, I don't know about that. I think that when we're looking at those short to mid yardage, short to mid range targets available, especially from a rookie quarterback who has limited mobility and frankly, limited arm strength. Hunter Henry has an opportunity now that he's passed that shoulder injury uh, to really do something and provide at least PPR value. So I think he could, I think Hunter Henry is going to be a top, uh, if I'm bullish 10, if I'm bearish 13 tight end this week. Like Byers and really like Henry's a great call because he really had a far more routes than Johnny last week. And that's the pass funnel defense they're, they're facing with Tampa Bay. You cannot run against them. Um, they're going to have to throw the ball more than they would like. Um, sticking with the James White injury uh, ramifications. So instead of putting in uh, fab bids for Josh Gordon, I was after Ramondre Stevenson. I know it's a long shot because, you know, he've, he's been a healthy scratch the last couple of weeks, but he looks so good in the preseason. He's a better uh, pass catcher than Damian Harris, my guy who just keeps missing blocking assignments. And he may be... He may be mothballed and put, I don't know, man. He, he, Belichick is not happy with Harris. So 
Ramonda Stevenson, deep, deep sleeper, flyer for, uh, for to stash on your bench, uh, could be a guy moving forward. What do you think? Don't hate it. I love it. I featured him heading into the season. Take that advice. Go ahead and stash him before he's a thing. That's the job of fantasy manager. That's the job of fantasy analyst and fantasy managers. You got to stay ahead of the curve, not be reacting. But as Scott Pianowski says, what is it? Pro- be proactive, not reactive. And on that note, we are going to proactively end the show because we've run out of games to preview. But if you want to keep chatting with us, we love that. And you can do it on Twitter. You can follow me at Liz Loza underscore FF. You can follow Dalton at Dalton Del Don. And while you're there, make sure you're following at Yahoo Fantasy, obviously. And stick around here, too, because Matt Harmon will be joined by TJ Hernandez tomorrow for a bonus Saturday DFS episode on this podcast feed. Until then, we're out. Good luck. And uh, my apologies if you live in Boston.